I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with John Kleinberg of Cornell University, and we'll resume our interview talking about small world graphs and an interesting property that he discovered of searchable graphs. So what happened, I guess, a lot of interest in the small world property got reignited, I would say, um, following Milgram's work in the 60s. A lot of it got reignited by this paper in 1998 by two of my close colleagues, Duncan Watts and Steve Strogatz, who were working on this problem at Cornell, where Duncan at the time was a PhD student of Steve's. And they wrote this paper where they proposed that you know, we can combine probability and graph theory and think about small world networks as sort of a superposition of structure and randomness. So what does this mean? So we, we imagine, for example, that we're going to lay out the graph on, just to do something very simple, on the geography of the United States and people are going to know others who are geographically close to them. But then they're also going to have these random long-range links, right? So you, you predictably know people who live near you, but it, it would have been hard to predict that you also, you know, happen to know this person who lives in Montana, this person who lives in Singapore, this person who lives in Germany. You have these long-range links that leap all over the globe, or maybe, you know, in, in the case of the Milgram experiment, maybe it was more significant, they leaped all, all over the United States where the experiment was taking place. And it's those links that make the world small, right? If we just had those geographically local links, then it's like we're traveling by horse-drawn carriage to get the letter all the way across the country because you're only making these very small steps. But when you can exploit these very long-range links, you can make long leaps. Now, the problem is those long-range links are very hard to control because when I give it the letter to a friend of mine, I don't really know all the random people they know. I don't know if there's going to be a useful person for forwarding the letter. And so the, the challenge was that actually in, in their original model, you can prove that searchability doesn't happen. Fast search is actually provably impossible in, in their model. And so their model is actually an illustration of, of a very interesting fracture between two concepts, the existence of the paths, because the short paths are there in their model, and the findability of their paths, the searchability, because provably you cannot find the short paths that are there. You, you start out looking, but with high probability, it's going to take you many steps to actually get to the target. And so I was intrigued, can one find some modification of their model so that you actually get both short paths and searchability. And it, it turns out, if, if you add an extra feature to this kind of a model, so lay out the graph again in some two-dimensional space, let's just put it in the plane, let's put a grid of nodes, people know their neighbors on the grid. And now everyone is going to get maybe just one random link or a few random links, it works with just one random link. But the endpoint of that random link will not be chosen uniformly at random from the whole grid. Rather, I'm going to choose the other end of that link with a probability that decreases according to your geometric distance raised to some power, right? So somebody at distance d is going to be the end of your random link with probably one over d to some power. And so it falls off, you know, sort of like the, the force of gravity, it falls off with distance, right? So even, even your random long range links are still more likely to be close in than far out. Now, that exponent I put on the distance, one over d to some power, controls sort of how long range the links really are. And it turns out there's a, a special exponent you can put there, and, and there's only one that, that, that actually works for very fast searchability. If the links have probability when you're in the plane, one over g squared, it's the probability I link to someone at distance d from me is one over g squared, then the network has short paths, and in a sense, the natural local algorithm for finding paths is actually going to work, which is I'm going to look at all the people I know, and I'm going to send a letter to the person who is closest in space to the target. And the person who receives the letter will do the same thing. They'll look around, find their, their friend who's closest in space to the target. And in that way, if the network has this inverse square property, that random links go to someone at distance d with probably 1 over d squared, then actually in a number of steps that essentially scales like power of the logarithm of the network size, right? So the network's very big, but there's like the logarithm, the letter will get there in that many steps. And so we've basically shown that the short paths are there by actually describing the way that 
people operating in, inside this network with only their local information could construct them if the links follow that structure. Was that astounding to find that, you know, this one exponent that worked and, and kind of a nice exponent? Yeah, it was a surprise to me, certainly. You play with these models and you hope that something interesting is going to come out and you hope that maybe somewhere in this sort of space of properties you're playing with, you'll have a nice structure merge. For it to, it to be balanced sort of perfectly between these two competing forces, right? The force that makes the links very random and long range, and the force that makes them very controllable and predictable, that the two would meet at this exact point, I think, was a surprising thing. You sort of felt like you were getting more out of the model than you had put in. It was a very simple model, and, and out comes this property. And of course, it was also a little, it was sort of striking, you know, in, in working on this, that it's a model that's making a very specific prediction about the world, right? It says that if you believe this is a reasonable class of models and you believe that there's this experiment done by Milgram that succeeded, then it's making a, a prediction that's sort of more specific than maybe you originally intended about how links to friends ought to be distributed on the surface of the Earth geographically. Uh, well, John, is there anything you'd like to add? Well, there's sort of one final epilogue to all of this, which was not my work, but the, the work of some colleagues and former students of mine, which is at the, at the time when I wrote this paper in 2000, there was this prediction. It sort of, it, it was there, uh, it was out there, it was up for grabs, that links followed this inverse square distribution. And even in 2000, even with all the data we had and the whole World Wide Web, it wasn't clear how you'd test this prediction, right? You sort of thought to yourself, yes, we have the web, but to test this prediction, you would somehow need some kind of a website where you could induce millions of people to all sign up, tell you where they lived, and tell you who their friends were. And then lo and behold, along come social networking sites starting in 2005 and 2006, and they do just that. People sign on, they say, here are my friends, here's where I live. And it was this group of researchers who I've collaborated with all of them closely in the past, so David Libanowell and, and some of his colleagues, who realized that this was actually a, a source of data to actually test the predictions of the small world model, in particular this inverse square prediction. And what had to do certain things to get the models to match the data. And in, in fact, they had to extend the models and generalize them. But once you've done that, you actually find that the data actually matches that underlying prediction quite closely. So that, in fact, the social network of the world as represented online, right, the part of it that we can see online, actually has almost exactly this optimal distribution of distances on your links to friends. And so it's almost as though the world has organized itself to make this kind of search possible. And, of course, that opens up whole new mysteries that we really understand, which is why has the world done this, right? Obviously, whatever it is we do when we go and we make friends and we meet people, we're not trying to configure our world so as to make the Milgram experiment succeed, right? That's not what we have in mind. But somehow, what our actions are doing is achieving that effect as a byproduct. And so what this organic process is that's producing these links that span the world that make the world small, that, that remains a, a fascinating mystery and I think the source of a lot of interesting questions that hopefully future generations of students can try to model. You're studying connections, and then a lot of different sciences are all connected, trying to figure these things out. Right. There's a, a coming together in in their own network of scientists from many different disciplines. And I think one of the appealing features of networks as an area is really that it, it combines people from so many different disciplines, from mathematics, from computer science, operations research, physics, economics, sociology, political science, and many, many disciplines coming together to try understanding this notion of connectivity that turns out to be really essential to all of their subjects. All right. Well, that's uh, John Kleinberg, who's in the Departments of Computer Science and Information Science at Cornell University. John, thank you. Thanks very much.